The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Everybody, welcome in Thursday edition of the Leach Report, coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio here in Lexington. And Thursdays, we catch up to Mike Pratt, and uh, we will talk hoops with him. Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated, and then in our final segment today, Coach Liam Cohen will join us, and uh, we'll get a little update on the uh, football cats headed to spring practice, uh, roughly, I'm guessing about a month away, a little over. And uh, also saw a picture where he and his wife were on the sidelines down in Tampa on uh, Sunday watching his former team, the Rams, beat the Bucks, And now the Rams are just one win away from playing in a Super Bowl. So we will uh, talk with Coach Cohen to wrap up the program today. Jump into the Wildcat news of the day. It is a service of Giuseppe's of Lexington. And the big news yesterday around this part of the world was the parting of ways between U of L and its men's basketball coach Chris Mack had uh, he elected to stay on the job, and then they fired him. He would have been able to uh, collect twelve million, over twelve million dollars. But there was also a risk that if the NCAA came back with a finding of uh, some certain at a certain level of violation related to some of the things that former assistant Dino Gaudio alleged then uh, he might not have uh, gotten anything. He could have been terminated with uh, cause and paid nothing. So they come to a middle ground of a $4.8 million settlement, and uh, they'll finish the season with an interim coach. And now a lot of speculation about successors, and uh, one name on the list is going to be, no doubt, uh, Kenny Payne, the longtime Kentucky assistant, former L player. And uh, Kenny should have been a college head coach a long time ago uh but for whatever reason i never talked to him about it at at length i guess it was just the right opportunity never came along plus he was you know compensated well at kentucky so he could afford to be picky about the 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 offers that he took uh, to be a college coach so he eventually did take an opportunity to go coach in the nba with the knicks and uh, not surprisingly they have done better in his time there uh, Julius Randle has blossomed with uh, KP around. So um, uh, if uh, Kenny um, indeed wants this job, I would guess that he would. We'll talk a bit about this with Mike Pratt. would certainly wish him um, wish him well. I think he'd be a great choice for anybody for a college head, co- head coach. Um, college hoops last night. I watched a little bit of the first half of Florida-Tennessee, and then Florida was kind of controlling the action, and I uh, flipped over to watch something else that I had recorded. I forgot to go back to it, actually, and check the score later. And Tennessee had a big second half and rallied to win, 78-71. So a uh, big comeback win for the Vols. I think that is going to be an incredibly difficult game when Kentucky goes back down there. I know Kentucky won handily here in Lexington. But um, I think Tennessee... Uh, will come into that game with a big chip on its shoulder after uh, how poorly it played here in Lexington. LSU beat Texas A&M last night 70-64. to That was in Baton Rouge. Uh, remember when Kentucky played down at College Station last week, I mentioned that uh, most of the best opportunities, really all the best opportunities 
for LSU to pick up uh, wins that would turn the head of the selection committee uh, were going to be on the road other than that one against Kentucky, and they would be all in on beating the Cats, and they nearly pulled it off. So I, uh, I think A&M is a tournament-worthy team from what I saw. Uh, you look at just their overall record, but they haven't uh, had a lot of quality wins yet, but I think they are a quality team from having seen them in person. So uh, I hope that they are able to win one of these along the way. That would have been a big one to get last night. So they came up short. Arkansas beat Ole Miss 64-55. to That was in Oxford. And then a couple of upcoming midweek opponents for the Cats. Vandy next week, South Carolina the following week. They met up in Columbia, and the Gamecocks won that one 70-61. to And I was watching a little bit, uh, just flipping around later last night. Uh, there was a really good game. Uh, with uh, VCU and Davidson, which had just moved into the top 25. At uh, 25, Davidson was down 12 with about four minutes or three and change to play, came back and had the ball down two and uh, got a a flop-slash-charge call that cost them a chance to tie the game, and uh, they ended up did get a shot late to uh, tie or go ahead. I can't remember which. It got blocked. And so, anyway, Davidson's 15-game winning streak comes to an end. VCU won that one 70-68. Uh, talking college hoops, um, I did. there's a uh, potentially a marquee matchup in the OVC coming Saturday uh, when Moorhead goes to Murray. Both of them are undefeated in league play. And uh, both play tonight against teams with losing records. So if they both prevail, that'll be quite a showdown in Murray on Saturday between Moorhead and Murray with perfect records in the OVC. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Mike Pratt will join us when we come right back. It's the Leach Report. And our Wildcat News of the Day is presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. You can uh, go to their drive-up window and take Giuseppe's home. They put this in during the, the uh, when the pandemic first hit. Been a really popular. But if you want a true dining experience, make a reservation. Go inside. Live jazz music to accompany your fantastic meal at Giuseppe's of Lexington. We'll be right back. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. 16 past the top of the hour as we welcome Mike Pratt into the program. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Pratt22. Uh, start with the, uh, the big news in college basketball is a coaching change that happens before the end of the season. Don't see that often. Uh, Chris Mack out at Louisville. What's your take on all that, Mike? Well, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not for coaching changes in the middle of the year in college. They do it to pros. That's a different world. They've been doing it for years. I, I'm not a big fan of this, but uh, I didn't make that decision. And it sounds like, um, in reading what Mack had to say and what the uh, athletic director in the in the school had to say, it was a uh, a party that was good for both sides, but. Boy, I tell you what, it's uh, it's very disrupting, and it uh, it it does it just looks bad. Uh, among the potential candidates, um, our buddy Kenny Payne's name, not surprisingly, has popped up. I was saying in the first segment that Kenny uh, should have been a college basketball coach uh, a long time ago, but he was able to to be extra choosy, I guess, when he was here at Kentucky because he was compensated well. So now he's gone on to the NBA. Do you think he's inclined to? 
Uh, a lot of people thought he'd go to DePaul, and he didn't. Is he? Do you think he would come back to college, to his alma mater? Especially? Well, I don't know. Um, you know, I've known Kenny since he was at U of L, and, um, and when I was working with the Hornets, we had him in camp. So I have great respect for Kenny, and, and would hope that U of L would look at him hard, really hard. I think he's. I think he's the top candidate for the whole picture at U of L right now. I mean, he could do a lot for them beyond just coaching and recruiting. Um, I will say um, he's got a pretty good gig in New York and may could become an NBA head coach. I don't know. My gut feeling was he turned to Wayne Peavy down at DePaul because he knew other things were out there that maybe he liked better. Was Louisville one of them? I don't know, Tom. Might have been. Yeah, might, uh, that might well be the case. Um, the... We see Duke and Carolina have both gone to uh, head coaches without previous head coaching experience, but that came up through the the ranks in in those programs. And uh, you know, we'll see how that turns out. Hubert Davis is in his first year. John Shire will, will start next year. Um, but that's um, you know, it's two programs that turn to a guy without previous head coaching experience. Kentucky did it once with uh, you know a, a similar situation with a Joe B. Hall. There's always the argument that you have to get somebody that's got head coaching experience, but one thing Kenny would have is uh, an intimate knowledge of that program. Yeah, and a, and a deep love for that program. Yes. I don't care where else he coached. His love for that program is there. He played there. He was successful there. Loved Danny Crumb. I mean, his love for the program, just just like the other guys you mentioned, Michigan's turned out pretty good. The Carolina and Duke's just started the process. Now it's not working out at Memphis for whatever the reason. They're all not going to work out. Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. But I think Kenny is a special guy. And uh, I think that uh, he could do so much, so much in the big picture for U of L. I know they're going to go through the process, but you don't ever want to get caught in offering a job to a couple people and have them turn you down. We saw that at Kentucky uh, when Billy Clyde was, was hired. You get in a free fall, and um, you you miss out on a lot of things and collect a lot of baggage. So that first offer, that first move or two, are really important. I hope Kenny's in it. Yes, I do too. Uh, let's go on to Kentucky, Kansas. Um, first, we'll start with the Mississippi State game. Um, I know you've been a big Kellen Grady fan from the moment he committed, coming out of a Davidson program where he was so well coached. And um, we saw him um, maybe play his best game. Didn't uh, he's had higher scoring games, but the the shots that he made uh, the, and the significance of them in that overtime were just massive. We lose Mike. All right, I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick break, and we'll reconnect with uh, Mike Pratt. It is twenty past the top of the hour. It is the Leach Report Radio Network. You're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. We have reconnected with uh, Mike Pratt uh, in the Louisville market. The last spot that just aired was about uh, the new book that uh, we put out right before Christmas about our 20 years doing games on the UK network. We're going to be up in Franklin, Ohio, 
near your old stomping grounds of Dayton on uh, Sunday at Mom's Restaurant in Franklin from noon to one thirty, signing books so all the Mike Pratt groupies from Dayton can come up, right? There you go. There you go. Uh, Mom's <laughs> is a great place. I've eaten there numerous times. Breakfast is wonderful, and she she is as good a Wildcat fan as you could find. Yeah, a lot uh, of Kentucky so we'll be fans up, there. up in that part of the state, too. Oh, yeah, a bunch of cat fans up in southern Ohio, bunch, and hope they all come out and say hello, and we'll we'll, uh, we'll sign books and do all those good things, press the flesh, and you name it. Mom told me she still has her uh, wildcat Christmas tree up, so we'll be positioned right in front of that. How about that? Rest. God bless her. How about that? <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, we lost Kadecki. I was asking about Kellen Grady. You know, I know you've been – high on what he could do at Kentucky from the moment he committed from Davidson because of how well coached he was there. Um, that was massive what he did in the overtime the other night in a game that Kentucky could ill afford to lose. He dropped a couple bombs at the appropriate time. There's no question about it. And uh, I've all, I've all, I always knew he could shoot. I talked to people in Charlotte, and uh, he, he could really do some things with uh, with his shot. And, and quite a well-rounded player down there at Davidson. Called on to, to be the guy there. He's not called on to be the guy here, but Cal wants him to take that shot and be a difference maker. But what I saw in his game, a couple shots against State that I really liked on was that uh, off the wing, bounce, uh, short corner, a little runner, uh, stop and pop. Um, then he went down the middle and did the same thing one time. And I, I liked that shot for him at six foot five. And I think if he can uh, continue to go places with the ball, he can stop and pop and use that runner and be a real threat in addition to his three-point shooting. I mean, they're always going to mostly respect the three-point shooting when they're defending him, but uh, if you give him a little something else to think about, that's not a bad thing. That is exactly right. And uh, I think he's going to be a – he is a difference maker. We've already seen it. So uh, that's my uh, thoughts on on, uh, Kellen Grady. I think his upside has a lot to do with where um, and how he plays where Kentucky goes in this season. Well, let's talk about the Kansas matchup, and we'll do it with the assumption that Ty Ty Washington is going to play. We don't know yet. Uh, Oscar hinted at that in the uh, post game, but uh, I doubt he's seen the trainer's report. So uh, we'll we'll see if Ty Ty is back. We'll assume that he is. So with that assumption, um, what are the things Kentucky would have to do to? to get a win at Allen Fieldhouse? Well, it's going to be very difficult with Ty Ty Washington, let alone without him. The atmosphere, the rivalry factor. Uh, Ojibaji, is that how you say his name, Ojibaji? Uh, I, I, I know I watched the other night, and I made note of it, and I don't have the notes in front of me. So I'll, uh, Obaji, I believe, but I don't know. Obaji, that's what I thought, Obaji. Uh, is a very talented young fellow. He's going to spend uh, many years in the NBA. Um, he's uh, tall. And he's quick with the ball. He's worked on his jump shot where he's uh, not afraid to pull up and shoot it. He's a tough matchup. Um, and then, of course, they have their their, their guys that have been there forever. Uh, McCormick, uh, he's been at center there as long as Fulkerson's been at Tennessee, I think. And uh, then the kid that hurt us up at Indianapolis during the uh, pandemic year was Brown, I believe, shooting the jump shot. He was very effective. So this is a, a well-rounded team. They've got uh, multiple pigs. And then the guy with the great name is going to be a, a difficult matchup 
not only for us, but he's probably going to be matched up on Wheeler. Remy Martin. Remember that name. Remy Martin led the Pac-12 in scoring last year uh, at Arizona State. He's really good with the ball, very clever uh, with the the bounce. Uh, It'd be a nice matchup. He's not a whole lot bigger than uh, Wheeler, but uh, he, he plays a lot like him. And so that's going to be an interesting matchup for me. Uh, yeah, having Ty Ty's ability to create something late in the shot clock, um, you know, we saw that come into play in the down the stretch of the Mississippi State game, and uh, that would be a lot to have to overcome if you didn't have it. It would be conversely a great asset to have in that particular matchup. Yeah, he's uh, he's uh, just like their guy. He can create off the bounce. He's got a, a very effective first and second step. You need him when you need a hoop. He's a bucket maker. So um, uh, he'll be as tough a matchup for them as uh, we have with uh, Ojibaji. Mike Pratt, uh, appreciate it much. We'll see you on the plane tomorrow. You got it, buddy. Mike Pratt, at Mike Pratt 22 uh, And uh, Shannon, go ahead and uh, line up uh, Justin. We'll move on to him. Uh, get a quick question or two in before the bottom of the hour. And uh, we're going to have to uh, reschedule Coach Cohen he was traveling today. It just got word that uh, he's not going to be able to um, join us as scheduled. So we'll get him rebooked. Um, but uh, Justin Rowland coming up next. By the way, the weekly visits from Mike Pratt are presented by Boone's Butcher Shop in Bardstown. You can check them out at boonesbutchershop.com. As uh, we come to you on the Thursday edition of the Leach Report. Uh, tomorrow we'll have uh, Gary Parrish and Mike DeCourcy talking a lot about the Kentucky-Kansas matchup. Justin Rowland joins us now from catsillustrated.com. Uh, Justin, uh, Kentucky uh, went over Mississippi State. What uh, caught your eye? Well, I mean, it's not ideal to blow that kind of lead down the stretch, but when you're without your best offensive creator and you know, you know how Mississippi State under Howland is going to play, I thought it was a good thing that they learned how to win another close game, something they haven't had a lot of, and uh, it's always going to be more of a grind in conference play. So really impressed with Iverson Molinar, and uh, and I thought it was a good win, all things considered. Justin Rowland with us from CatsIllustrated.com, where you can follow his work and his uh, team. And we're going to get to our bottom-of-the-hour break. We'll come back, continue with Justin and UK Defense Coordinator Brad White is going to join us later in the show as well. It is the Leach Report Radio Network. We are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington in Hamburg and in Palomar for breakfast, brunch, or lunch. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. From the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio, return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's Pump and Shops, including the new Main Street Market in downtown Lexington on Main, right across from the Rupp Arena renovations. Joined now, or joined again by Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated as uh, we continue our conversation about Kentucky basketball and this matchup with Kansas that is coming up on Saturday. It is, uh, you know, I'm not sure if Kentucky can get all the way to the one line, but I think they've got enough quad one opportunities that they possibly could but i would think it would be hard to do it without a win here at kansas i thought they probably to get all the way to the one line would have had to have beaten auburn or kansas 
and either one of those would be a big enough win on the road to give them a shot to get all the way to the one line. What do you think? I agree. I think that's the right analysis. Yeah, one of those two teams, and it certainly wouldn't have guaranteed a one, but it would have kept them in the conversation. That's the kind of win that a one C is ultimately going to have. And I think Kentucky, if they don't win this game, could stack enough wins to still be a two seed or still be a three seed, mm-hmm. and then you know that would be fine. But to be a one, I think you're right. That's one of the kind of wins that they would need. Since uh, you know they didn't have uh, any in the in the postseason or in the uh, non-conference season. But with uh, the, yep. as strong as the SEC is, um, they've got uh, ample opportunity to to strengthen the resume, um, and that's you know that's not the be all end all to be a one, but always the the best path to be in, and you know it's uh, something obviously fans would would pay a lot of attention to uh, to get a win at Kansas um, would start uh, obviously with having Ty Ty Washington available. Uh, as I did with Mike Pratt, I'll, I'll assume that he is, and then give me your take on what Kentucky, uh, what their chances would be. I think they'd have a real shot. I mean, you know, w- winning in that environment is never going to be easy. It seems like it's always a little bit more hard at Kansas. And, and again, they're winning these close games. And whether they're at home or on the road, they're just finding ways, ways to win close games. And, you know, it's a great offensive basketball team. It would be a great offensive game, I would imagine. You know, I think Ken Palm's number three and four, Mm-hmm. offenses in the country are close to that. Um, maybe the teams are not as good defensively, but I think it'll be high scoring. And, you know, Kansas kind of had their number lately, and it's, a lot of times it's felt like they've, they've been the more experienced, tougher team down the stretch in the second half when those games are decided. But with Kentucky being a very mature and experienced team this year, I think they're, they're more equipped to go on the road and maybe maybe pull a little bit of an upset if Ty Ty is playing. I think one of the impressive things about Calipari's time here is his ability to not have to win the same way. Um, mm-hmm. He could have teams, uh, he had a, you know, a team heavily relying on three-point shooting that went to the Final Four in 11. You know, he's had dominant defensive teams. I think this team, uh, I've said before, is kind of reminds me of the 17 team in that their uh, biggest strength is on the offensive end. But I think, and Calipari's kind of, talked about this a little bit the the way that they're demanding that they run the floor the pace they're trying to play at uh also helps them a little bit defensively in terms of getting into people's legs for the final five or ten minutes doesn't it yeah i agree with that and that 17 comparison is one that i've kind of made in my own mind as well um tempo wise they usually rank near 200 or so uh, out of 300 and whatever teams. And that year, I think they were like outside the top 10 or top 20 or so, which was a, a big outlier. This year, they're not that fast, but they're playing that fast offensively. You know, they're not, they're not forcing the other team to play this hectic skelter pace the way that team did all the time. But I get it. Yeah. It's an offensive led, led team. And, you know, yeah, they definitely have the firepower to, to keep pace. And to make the plays down the stretch, but uh, but again, Kansas is is a master. They're masters at winning these close games on the road. Even when you feel like you've played well, even when you feel like you've done everything you can, it's just going to come down to eight minutes and under who makes the plays. Uh, Shaden Sharp remains a topic of conversation for Kentucky fans. Uh, do you think he plays this this season? I think I think so. I think he'll play. Yeah, I, I think there's been enough of a little bit of a drumbeat. I'd be surprised if he wouldn't. And I don't know beyond that what it would mean or foretell. But when you've got, you know, that kind of talent, 
I think he'll be able to make an adjustment to where he can he can get on the court this year. That's just just my opinion. I don't think it's it's worth freaking out over if he doesn't. But just the signs lately, I think point towards it probably happening. I saw an ESPN mock draft that had him at uh, seven. I don't put a lot of stock in, in any of that until it gets much closer to to draft time, and especially after you know teams have, have brought guys in for for workouts. Um, but, um, you know, he is obviously a, a guy who attracted a lot of attention of, uh, I guess, mainly the Peach Jam last summer, right, with as far as NBA scouts? Mm-hmm. That yeah, was what and got, got him on their radar. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, I'm like you. I mean, once we see him play, then we're going to know. He could be top. I think it would be tough to be at the very top this year. But, you know, he could be a top five pick. He could be the back end of the lottery. You know, just as long as he just has to be convinced and Calgary has to be convinced that he's not going to do anything that's going to really dramatically impact that. And it's just hard for me to see with the talent there how how he would hurt himself that much because NBA scouts aren't going to, I don't think they would judge him too harshly based on something that happens at the end of a a quick acclimation one season at Kentucky. But, um, but yeah, you know, that's just a decision they're going to have to make and nobody who who doesn't see practice is going to have a lot to say on it. I uh, will shift over to uh, football, and uh, the Rams uh, are in the NFC Championship game, uh, upset Tom Brady and the Bucks last weekend. I would assume that uh, helps them out in in <laughs> recruiting offensive players, right? What Liam Cohen with Liam Cohen being here now? Yeah, well, they talked up Cup for so long, then the role that that Wandell played in the offense, that was promised to him. Just, this is what you're going to do. This is what you can be at the next level. And seeing it come to fruition, I've heard a lot of guys that they've been recruiting for a while say, they said this is what was going to happen with the offense, and that's exactly what happened. And it probably exceeded maybe even some of the expectations of people at Kentucky. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, so they're, they're, they're seeing that the offense is what was promised, and that goes a long way, too. Um, not sure how much of an impact – you know, bringing Levis back or bringing C-Rod back going to have for, for younger guys. But, you know, Cohen has done a lot with that offense, and it's the best reception they've gotten from skilled players that I can ever remember. Yeah, it's one thing to say it, and it's another to actually have something to show them. Yeah, I mean, they're they're returning one of the SEC's flashiest quarterbacks who's going to get prob- probably a lot of attention, even the national level next year when they're talking about Kentucky games. And, and one of the, the SEC's and nation's best running backs. They had arguably SEC's one of their best receivers this past year. So it went from being a program that really couldn't market itself to quarterbacks or skill players really at all to uh, one that's, that's found it pretty easy to get high-profile transfers and recruits. So that's totally changed. We said that was necessary for them to knock down the next door in the SEC East. When it's Georgia, it's a little bit out of their control, but they, they took the step they needed to. Yeah, they have uh, managed the transfer portal probably about as well as anybody, right? Yeah, I would say last year they knocked it out of the park. Georgia, Oklahoma, Kentucky, really the three schools that did the best. I don't know that every year you can count on having like a Levis, Wandale, Dare Rosenthal, Jacquez kind of haul in terms of impact at key positions. But uh, Tavian Robinson is going to be an impact receiver. I think Javon, uh, the other receiver they got, Baker, is going to be uh, uh, maybe long term, the, the the highest ceiling guy they bring in this year, or one of them. He's just different at receiver than what they've had. And then the lineman Manning, 
to Sean Manning from Auburn and Darian Henry Young from Ohio State. I'm not as sure about those guys. I think they'll be in the rotation, but uh, are they definitely going to start? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, but I think they will be players. Justin Rowland, you can uh, read him at catsillustrated.com, and uh, one of the stories up there now is about a, an offer to uh, a defensive back out of Lakota West, which has been uh, mm-hmm. very good to Kentucky. Joshua, is it Fusell? Yeah, yeah. I think it's Fussell, actually. But Fussell. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, he's a younger teammate of Alex Safari, who just signed with Kentucky. And they've had so many guys from Lakota West over the years. And William Mahone from Kentucky is on the staff up there at Lakota West. And, and this kid's going get, to get pretty popular. And they've got a good track record with Lakota West. So I think he'll be somebody we're talking about. John Connor's school, right? Yep, that's right. Yep. Yeah. So it goes back even before suits, for sure. Uh, Justin, thank you much. Thanks a lot, Tom. On Twitter, it's at Roland Rivals. We'll uh, get to a break. Uh, UK, D.C., Brad White, next up on the Leach Report Radio Network. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Welcome back into our Thursday show, and we welcome in Kentucky Defensive Coordinator Brad Weeks to the program. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. It's uh, you know, you you you're. It's not like you put your feet up now, but at least you're not on the road as much with recruiting. Retired for a little while, right? Well, you know, uh, been out the the last couple of weeks. Actually, just flew in uh, late last night. Ah, huh? um, so. Uh, I'm actually at the house I am in Lexington, which is nice. So if you hear uh, uh, if you hear the little one sort of cooing in the background, that's the the 15 month old, uh, you know, getting her some some breakfast. But uh, yeah, letting uh, let my wife run a, some errands this morning that, that that's hard to do uh, when we're on the road. So well, at, uh, you you are uh, a, a multitasker. That's the that's a <laughs> A skill to a good skill to have, I would imagine, in your line of work. <laughs> There's no question. The cell phone does wonders, so you can you can always stay connected. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about uh, your side of the ball. Looking to spring practice, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day about Kentucky football, and I said, "You know, you guys are going to, I think, maybe have be in a position you'd have a two deep of guys that you could just easily rotate in and not have any drop off in your uh, in your front seven. Um, potentially with um, you know the, the guys you have coming back, and uh, with you know guys like uh, Jones and Square and uh, Wright all returning for another season, you're gonna have nice depth. That is uh, something we're we're looking forward to. You know, uh, in the spring, especially with uh, you know some older guys like you, you mentioned, those three, um, they they've been through the battles, and so what you don't want to do is you don't want to put too many reps on their body, um, but you, you also want to keep them sharp and, and hone some specific things that they, they made and need to just work on. Uh, so that, for, for older guys like that, that's sort of the, the focus in spring. Uh, but then the other focus is to get all those young guys in because we, we, we have a lot of youth um, on our side of the ball and really looking forward to it. You know, there's a lot of talent there. Uh, but what they need is reps, and you, you can't get enough of them. Uh, so that'll be the, the primary focus uh, of spring is to see all those guys, whether it's in the back end, whether it's in the front. I mean, you talk about the front seven, 
I mean, you, the the D line. You know, when you we've had guys that have played for us, but to to lose a Josh Pascal, to lose Marquan McCall. You know, guys that you know were the heavy lifters uh, up front. You know, Abule. You know, all those young guys now need to to just really step up and take advantage of every one of the reps that we're going to, you know, give them in spring so they can be ready uh, for the long haul. Now, they're not just the support players, the guys giving breathers to the start. They are the starters, and we, and we, need, to, we need to find, you know, a starting group. I think we've got enough talent up there in that front three that we can rotate guys and we can stay fresh, so unlike say a Josh Pascal where you have to play the majority of the game, I think we're going to be a little bit, we can be a little bit more by committee um, and, and just let guys play fast uh, for as long as they can. And then, then rotate someone else in and there won't be any kind of noticeable drop off. That is the, the ultimate goal. Darian Henry young is a, a newcomer in that uh, group on the front uh, three, the Ohio state transfer, um, I know you guys were familiar with him from his high school days. Uh, what excites you about the potential that he brings into your program? Well, he, he's got uh, high athletic talent. You know, he's he's a good mover for a, a person of his size. Uh, long arms can redirect. Um, again, like you mentioned, we, you know, had that, you know, we, we knew of him when he, we came out of high school. Uh and, you know, having the opportunity to bring him in and develop him and, and add him to the group that we have, uh, you know, is exciting. And I think that that whole room uh, is excited to get going because they all understand the opportunity that's there. And, you know, competition makes, you know, everybody better. And they, they love the idea that each and every day those guys are going to compete. Coach Stewart's going to do a great job, uh, you know, from a technique standpoint, from an effort standpoint, and he's going to push those guys because we need them to, to step up. You know, and the, the nice thing is that we are going to have some, some veteran linebackers behind them. Um, so just like anything else, if we go through a little bit of growing pain, you know, or, or you know, they make a mistake, um, you know, we've got some linebackers that will make it right for them. Let's talk about the cornerback position because you uh, Mosley's eligibility is done dort's leaving and uh, valentine was the other guy that uh, those three that that took the bulk of the snaps for you so uh carrington's back but who else might be ready to make a move there yeah that's a hey, that's that's sort of the the million dollar question i think everybody's asking um obviously you know andrew phillips has been around and um so looking forward to see his progression um you know, we, we brought in a, a couple of new guys. You know, we have some, some young guys and, um, you know, Nate Hairston and, uh, Adrian Huey that are going to compete out there. And, you know, the, the other thing that, that we've got is, you know, when we recruit, we, we recruit defensive backs. We don't recruit just safeties. And, you know, and coach has always made a point that he, he really likes to recruit, uh, guys that can play corner, you know, that could move to safety. So, you know, there, there are some, some options that, uh, that are sort of on the table that we can, you know, sort of have fun with in the spring and see who ends up being the, the best fit out there. But you talk about, you know, arguably the most competitive uh, position group this spring. I mean, other than that front, 
uh, I think that that corner position is going to be, you know, something to really watch. Yeah, I mean, it's got a. The thing is, is a player. If you they they can see what we can all see that the, there's an opportunity there to to show that you deserve minutes. Uh, and um, it's like Coach Calipari has said a couple times this season with some of the guys on his bench. Same, I'm sure the message from from you coaches to those players: make me play you. One hundred percent. And he the difference there in that back end. There's no hiding. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know whether you're in it or you're not. And, you know, if, if a front guy makes a mistake, I just talked about, hey, you know, we, we hope that one of those older guys can, can clean it up. You know, when you're there on the back end, there's nobody to clean it up for you. Now we, you know, hopefully the pass rush gets gets home. And, you know, so if you've, if you've missed an assignment or, you know, play with poor technique and, and got uh, beat, you know, sometimes that doesn't get found. But in spring ball, when there's no you – know, you can really get exposed when it's practice because there is no hitting the quarterback. There is no affecting that throw. So a quarterback can be more confident in practice in the fact that, hey, listen, I don't have to worry about stepping into a guy putting his helmet in my chest. You know, I, I know I can step down a pocket and make, make a throw, deliver it. You know, if I try to throw a tight window ball and it gets intercepted, it's not the end of the world. It's practice. So you're going to get challenged even more out on the edge in practice. And it's going to be, it's going to be good to see who rises to the occasion, who's able to put a bad play behind them, um, you know, and play the next play. Uh, I think, you know, all the scrimmages that we're going to have are going to be vital. Who can tackle when they need a tackle? That's a, it's a big piece in, in this day and age. Uh, offenses find a way to get that ball poured out and make the corner the unblocked defender and see if they can actually tackle the running back. Coach, we appreciate the time. you got uh, work to do there. I'll let you get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I appreciate it. And Lydia tells uh, Big Blue Nation hello. She made her team. Hey. <laughs> Thank you. Thank we'll you. be right back to wrap it up on the League Report. Story up uh, at The Athletic, uh, Kyle Tucker and C.L. Moore did this one about Oscar Shibway and his uh, rebounding. Uh, I haven't got a chance to get all the way through it yet, but uh, those uh, deep dives in The Athletic are always really, uh, really well done by Kyle. So check that one out. Uh, you can uh, get a little more insight onto the rebounding force that is Oscar Shibway. Uh, we will see you tomorrow. A lot of preview of Kentucky and Kansas here on the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington.